I want to write your story. Those were the first words I spoke to Min Fung Towner, a Vietnamese refugee who gave her testimony at my church one Sunday. They were not the words I expected to say, but sometimes I open my mouth to speak, and the words that come out are not mine. My name is Michelle Layer Rahal. I'm a published educational consultant, a former news radio anchor, and the Indie Award-winning author of Straining Forward, Min Fung Towner's Story. Let me begin by telling you a little bit about Min and what she shared that Sunday morning. She had enjoyed a privileged childhood, complete with a nanny, a cook, and a chauffeur. She grew up in Saigon, a city dominated by American culture. But she was educated by nuns in a French school. On February 1, 1968, the Viet Cong launched a surprise attack that has since become known as the Tet Offensive. Min was 11 years old when her home was bombed and her father and two younger siblings were shot to death in the backyard. With her beloved father dead, Min was placed as a servant in her maternal grandfather's home where she was mentally and physically abused. At the age of 17, she and a brother boarded a boat in an effort to flee communist Vietnam, but they were caught, imprisoned, and tortured. They were able to escape from prison and board a boat that successfully made it to international waters, but there they encountered torrential storms, loss of food, death, pirates, and dehydration. Eventually, they were rescued by a Taiwanese fishing boat. After spending several months in a refugee camp, Min and her brother were sent to live with their uncle in France, who, unfortunately, lived in extreme poverty. So life continued to be a struggle. Because she wasn't French, rather wasn't a French citizen, Min was denied a college education. So she worked as a waitress and a nanny to save enough money to move to Australia where she could put herself through nursing school and become a registered nurse. Years later, following a divorce, Min emigrated to America where she felt God had always been calling her to go. When Min spoke at my church that Sunday morning, she was the lone Asian in a sea of white, upper-crust Virginians living on the outskirts of Washington, D.C. I had nothing in common with her, but I found myself incredibly drawn to her spirit. Despite her horrific childhood, she exuded joy. How? I wondered. How could someone with such a devastating past be so joyful? I stood in line with a slew of people who wanted to shake her hand and welcome her to America. I wasn't sure what I was going to say, so I prayed as I waited my turn. And when we came face to face, Min smiled at me and I said, I want to write your story. I think I shocked myself as much as I shocked her because Min responded by laughing. Laughter, I've come to learn, is a protective reflex for people who suffer from PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. A person who suffers with PTSD is hypervigilant in scanning their environment for danger. This scanning occurs in the right side of the brain, thereby suppressing executive decision-making that occurs on the left side of the brain. However, laughter, which is a right-side brain reaction, helps the PTSD sufferer to remain calm, thereby allowing the logical left brain to function normally. I share this with you 
so that you understand the significance of my next encounter with Min, which occurred several years later. Our church was sponsoring her education at seminary in Philadelphia, so I hadn't seen her much at church. But one Sunday she showed up and I approached her and asked, are you ready to write your story? This time, she didn't laugh. She looked me straight in the eye and somewhat reluctantly stated, yes, God told me he wanted you to write it. Did this confirmation bring me joy? To some degree, yes, but mostly it made me nervous. I had never written a book before, and the task seemed huge, even though I felt God had been calling me to do it. I decided I just needed to dive in headfirst. So the very next week, I started probing men for answers. Tell me about your childhood. When were you happiest? Who was your best friend? Did you like school? What do you miss about Vietnam? My experience as a news anchor kicked in, and I was determined to ask every question and leave no stone unturned. Min, however, was not a willing subject. She did not want to go deep into her past. She did not want to revisit painful places, and she most certainly did not trust me. I pushed, and she pulled back. After eight months with very little traction, God intervened. I had a stroke. And believe it or not, it was exactly what was needed at the time. In my weakness, Min's compassionate nursing skills kicked in. She stopped seeing me as a bossy and insensitive interrogator and saw me instead as a damaged and scared fellow Christian. It took about a year for me to feel fully functional again, but when I did, Min was finally ready to proceed. You see, during that year, we had not talked about writing a book or her past or her pains and struggles. We talked about mine. She got to know me, and in the process, she came to trust me. And I'm pretty sure that would not have happened if I had not suffered a stroke. And so the project started up again, and this time, I asked questions a bit more compassionately, and Min answered a bit more willingly. I no longer took a spectator's view of her life, but I got in the trenches with her. When Min struggled to remember a buried memory, I sat alongside her and prayed. And we waited together. When she cried, so did I. When Min would say, I've had enough for today, I would answer, me too. And though my feelings did not, and never will, rival what Min felt, I can honestly say that I ached alongside her. Once I had gathered enough information, it was time for me to start writing. My first attempt didn't work because I was writing in third person. But when I switched to writing in first person, I was able to adequately illustrate the intensity and depth of Min's feelings. Writing this way put me in a vulnerable position because it forced me to feel what Min felt by stepping into her shoes. This journey with Min on the heels of my stroke was tough. I had to rely on God to get me through many of those days, and that reliance transformed me. The words to 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 to 18 took on a whole new meaning for me. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Let me break this down. Verse 16 says, rejoice always. 
I rejoiced each time Min showed up. Our relationship blossomed from respect to love. I rejoiced each time I was able to complete a chapter, knowing that I was not only fulfilling one of God's calls in my life, but my brain was healing as well. Verse 17 says, pray continually. Boy, did I pray a lot during this time. Not only for Min's healing, but for my abilities and for God to shine into the darkest of places. He did not disappoint. And verse 18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances. Though I couldn't bring myself to thank God for what Min had endured, I could thank him for allowing me to bring her story to print. I also thanked him for my stroke, which gave me a new perspective on life and a deeper awareness that every one of us is carrying pain of some sort. And get this, a little over a year ago, I had an MRI on my brain, and this MRI revealed no evidence of a stroke. No evidence that a stroke had ever occurred. That is the power of prayer and giving thanks in all circumstances. It took approximately 10 years to complete the manuscript for Straining Forward, and though the journey was long and often difficult, It was covered in prayer and abounding in joy. The dark memories of Min's life have been brought into the light, and her joy is more radiant than ever. And knowing I played a role in this has brought me such joy. I love her like a sister. Prior to writing this book, it was easy for me to be complacent and turn a blind eye to to the injustices around me. But getting into the trenches with her has inspired me to get into the trenches with others, those who struggle and don't have a voice. Now, I don't go out seeking injustice, but God has presented me with several extraordinary opportunities to step up to the plate. And I won't go into detail here, but let me tell you that my life is so much richer because of these encounters. So I think the biggest thing I've learned while writing this book is that there is great joy in caring for and about others, especially people who don't look like me or have the same background as I do. Getting out of my bubble has revealed to me a world in desperate need of care and compassion, and those are two things I can provide. Those are two things anyone can provide. I never anticipated that I would be a published author, but that's where I am and I am enjoying this work. I write a monthly blog on God's providence at keepstrainingforward.com, and I'm in the process of writing a second book on how to cultivate an awareness of God's voice. My biggest dream and prayer is to see Straining Forward become a movie and to have the book translated into other languages in the hopes that hundreds, if not thousands of people, will be inspired to come alongside the weakest and most marginalized in our society and ask, what is your story? How can I serve you? Straining Forward has received excellent reviews, yet the measure of success for me is the number of stories people share about how they were moved from complacency to action. And when I hear or read one of these reviews, I know that God is truly working through this book and changing lives. I'll close with a quote from Benjamin Mays, who was a 20th century pastor and American civil rights leader. He said, The tragedy of life is often not in our failure, but rather in our complacency. 
not in our living above our ability, but rather in living below our capacities. How true. We all have an opportunity here to improve society. One person, one child, one orphan, one refugee at a time. All we need to do is take that first step toward getting to know someone who doesn't look or sound like us. And that could make all the difference in the world, not only for them, but for us. Thank you for listening, and I hope and pray you were inspired. Keep straining forward. We all have a story to share and a voice that is meant to be heard, and we want to share yours. For more information and to get involved, visit storiesofinspiringjoy.com. Stories of Inspiring Joy is a production of Seek the Joy Media and created by Sydney Weiss. You can find all episodes on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you like the show, hit subscribe, leave us a rating and review, and follow along on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're creating greater connection and community, one powerful story at a time.